Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke and as always I'm joined by Pastor DJ Lura. But this week we have no Sarah DeYoung. No Sarah. No, we have Dana Mashevsky. Woohoo! <laughs> I need I need a Homer Simpson yep. button. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Dope. <laughs> yep. Yes. Do they make? They probably make those. They probably do. Those are probably copyrighted. <laughs> That's probably true. Got to change them slightly. Like, duh. <laughs> Wee. Doe. Doe. Everyone always says dough. That's what they all say. Yep. So what's happening? Wow. So much. Smoky outside. Yeah. So little to do, so much time to do it. Scratch that, reverse it. So much to do. It is. There's a there's a there's like a purple haze, but it's not purple. It's terrible. Some kind of just wafty brownish orange un like I you look at Every morning I look at my, my weather apps. We used to turn on the mm-hmm. news and watch the news and the weather people would talk. Now I just look at my phone and I click on it. And this is the most unhealthy I've ever seen the air in yeah. the Fargo-Moorhead area yeah, ever in the history bad. of the world. Um, usually it's like at like a five or a six. It's way, yeah, like the air is super clean here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and even more so out in the country than here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like at like 156. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's terrible. And there's wildfires all over the place. At least on my app, if you go to the uh, one side, it's green. And that's where it's really healthy. And then it like goes through the spectrum. And I think right now it's in like magenta or violet in the <laughs> yeah. spectrum. But when it hits red, it's toxic. Yeah. So we're, we're not quite at red yet, but it's a little bit closer than I like it to be. I think the winds are turning around, so that'll help us a little bit. That's good. Yeah. You can probably tell I'm, I'm suffering the effects of it. Well, uh, yeah, man. I, you, your, your voice is a little deeper than usual. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> the sweet, smooth sounds. <laughs> Pop 102. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the time when we need just to get them to record different sounds. That we can have. <laughs> right. Now's the time. Yep. Different, different bits, different <laughs> clips. Trying to think so, what else is going on. It's summer. It is. Um, mission trip coming up. Yeah, mm-hmm. mission trips coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, I did. Uh, I, I should share this because um, uh, it's it's been a while now. But my my mom uh, passed away rather quickly in April. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, in in just like a, a couple of days, she was diagnosed with cancer it, at the beginning of beginning or middle of March. I can't remember exactly, but, um, it was about three weeks after her diagnosis that on Maundy Thursday, she received from the doctor that it wasn't just cancer and that there'd be a treatment for it, but that it was stage four cancer. And that was on Maundy Thursday, which is the Thursday right before Easter. And mm-hmm. we've talked about the show, what Maundy Thursday is before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, so the thinking was it's stage four cancer, but we have a treatment to treat it, uh, you can't cure it once it gets to that point, you know, mm-hmm. but we can treat it. And so the following Wednesday, six days from then, she was supposed to have her first chemo treatment. Mm-hmm. By Easter Monday, the cancer had advanced so much that her stomach was distended mm. um, and she couldn't breathe. 
So uh, she went into into the hospital, and a week later she passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's 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 one of those things we just kind of go. No one knows the day or the hour, right? Um, but it, uh, we all got to be near there. I went down right away. Um, I think the Tuesday following when mom went into the hospital and I got to be with her all week and, um, all day, every day, pretty much. Mm. And, uh, got to see her goodbyes and, and really have no regrets. You know, she was a, a strong Christian, believed in her Lord. And even that day I'd say, mom, they want to do this measure or this measure. And she's like, let's, let's do it. But if it doesn't work, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. She would say that a lot. Um, I know where I'm going. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so she was more a preacher to us than versa visa. Um, but so she passed away on April 12th and we just had the funeral this last week and it's, it's July. Yeah. Um, and p- part of the reason for that is because um, my folks are, are snowbirds. Mm-hmm. They, they would live in Arizona during the wintry months of uh, up here, which is like 10 months out of the year <laughs> and then come up for like the, the week and a half. That's really nice. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, but mom and dad are both from here. They're both from mom's from Clifford Galesburg and, and dad is from Cooperstown mm-hmm. and they both lived in Fargo, the Fargo Moorhead area for like the last three decades. So yeah. mom taught at Moorhead and stuff. So it just made sense to, um, find a time where we could all be up here rather than in Arizona together. And it was, it was, uh, it was a great, I mean, just the people that came together, I, people from, um, I, I learned about parts of my mom's life that I knew nothing about. Like I knew she was a teacher in Moorhead for many years. And when I was little, she was my music teacher, mm-hmm. but she taught in Moorhead for, you know, 20, 25 years. And I didn't really know Mrs. Laura who mm. taught at, you know, the Moorhead <laughs> middle school. Yeah. So to hear stories about it and to meet the people that were colleagues of hers and, and, and loved her and, and taught with her. Um, that was, that was really cool. That yeah. was really fun. And so, it was, it was very much a celebration of her life. And I would encourage anyone when you do have a loss in your family, um, even though it might be easier to, uh, set a time a couple months in the future to, to have that celebration, I'd encourage you to do it as closely to the time of the passing as possible, Mm. because at least from my experience, for me, it's like everything was put on hold. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, that was a good thing. In another sense, it wasn't because now that the, the funeral has happened, now I'm like, okay, I, I'm able, I've finally been able to say, say goodbye. Right. Um, and I have no d- doubt. I mean, this is part of Christian faith. This is the hope that we rest in. Uh, you know, mom's in heaven saying, you don't know how good it is. Yeah. You yeah. don't know how good it is. Right. It hurts for us who have to say goodbye mm-hmm. because. When a loved one dies, it's not just their death, it's our death as well. Mm-hmm. Because tomorrow's not gonna be like yesterday. Right. Everything's changed. Right. Right. But we have that hope, and that hope is in Christ. And I can s- tell from my own experience, it sustained my mom in her entire life. It was something that, that was ingrained in her kids mm-hmm. and grandkids. Um, and, and she wore her faith on her sleeve. I mean, she wasn't going around bopping people over the head with the Bible, but he knew where my mom stood. Mm-hmm. And being someone who sang, it was, wherever we went, we had to go. Um, first, we got, uh, like when we moved to Washington, for, the first thing we did is we got registered at the school. The second thing we did is we found the closest church that 
you know, we fit it fit in. And then it was immediately becoming engaged and involved in that church. Mm -hmm. So that's always been a part of, of my life at least. Right. So anyway, that was, that's kind of the big stuff that happened. And then after mom's funeral, my uncle died in in December and I got to help to, um, um, be a, I gave a little message at that, at that sermon. My mom's, my mom's funeral. I was like, I need a preacher. I'm not, I'm not saying a word. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, that's what you need in those times. For my uncle, I was able to, to share a message um, for my cousin and her family. Um, and then we were in Cooperstown for a weekend, and I just watched this town that knew my mom, knew my dad, knew us, lived there till I was 10, just love on my dad. Yeah. And just, you know, I mean, it was it was pretty, pretty... Um, overwhelming and amazing to see that just that outpouring of love. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good way to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, uh, it was incredible to see, um, there was a lot of people here at the, at the funeral service. Right. Um, your mom touched a lot of lives. Uh, yeah. And like I said, that's, that's kind of a bit of the overwhelming thing too, of, um, all the people that, you know, love my mom mm-hmm. and what an influence she was on so many people. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's the most I've seen, like most people I've seen in there since I started. Hey, we had to wait for COVID <laughs> to get over to, to yeah, like, rock oh. that joint. So <laughs> squeeze them in as, as many as you can. But, you know, my mom being, being uh, musical, being a music teacher, she knew a lot of people who were very musically gifted too. So mm-hmm. it was, and and as Pastor Cross likes to say, and he's absolutely right, we have an an embarrassment of riches at Atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if there wasn't all these musicians from the Moorhead School and from the other churches that my mom had worked with over the years, if it was just Atonement people sharing their gifts, it would have been pretty amazing musically too. Um, but I found it rather special that these people worked with my mom and my mom helped teach them as well as um, colleagues with them mm-hmm. coming in and sharing their musical gifts. Yeah. So we had a lot of music, a lot of music at both the prayer service and the funeral service. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, so where's, how do we transition out of this one? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> trying, to, trying to figure that out actually. Awkward <laughs> Well, and along with the haze and along with, you know, where, where there is death, we believe in new life that comes out of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have kind of the, the rebirth of the high school youth mission trips yeah. are yeah. coming up really soon, right? Yes. Um, when this episode comes out, we will be in Minneapolis. Nice. Um, more of the suburbs, if you're familiar with Minneapolis. Uh, Bloomington. Little uh, Canada. Little Canada? Yeah. Do you know that suburb? No. Oh, okay. Do you know, ever heard of um, Maplewood? Yeah. It's north of Maplewood. Okay. Little Canada. Well, we are going to be in Bloomington. <laughs> okay. Which is where That's the... That's the whole opposite side. <laughs> which is where the Mall of America is. Um, I believe we're staying just a few minutes, actually, away from the mall. Okay. And um, we're going to do a lot of work with, with the homeless. We're going to make uh, sandwiches and, and bring those out. Uh, we're going to work with an organization that accepts shoe donations, and oh. then uh, people who can't afford shoes are able to come in and and uh, you know get shoes. Yeah, and um, we are also working. We're going to do go to some uh, uh, to the FMSC 
um, permanent site in Egan, which I think will be really neat for for the the for all of us that are going on the trip because we do the mobile pack here every year, um, and it is a little different when you go to the to the permanent site. Right. You know, it's a different setup. Obviously, everything is you know nothing's moving. Right. So they can do things a little bit different. Um, it's kind of easier on your back, actually. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 At the home site, is it all machines? So you just push buttons and then you go from there? No. Um, <clears throat> I was at one in Chicago about six years ago now. Oh, okay. Um, what I do remember, um, a, lot of, a lot of times early on, um, I would get uh, put in the, in the position of sealing the bags. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how familiar everybody is with that, but it's kind of like um, you take the bag and on the bag, there's a, a strip that tells you to seal it here. And then you have what, what yeah, what looks like um, steam press. Uh, yeah, steam. <laughs> it's, it's like, a, um, gosh, how, how would you even describe it? Kind of, kind of like you remember those old paper cutters that your teacher oh, had. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's it's exactly like that without a blade on it. Yeah, yeah. yep. It's it's like that. Um, and so you set the bag in there. You put the blue strip where the where the um, the heat is, and then you pull the lever down and you hold it till the light turns on, and the bag is supposed to be sealed. Yeah. Well, when you do that at the mobile site, you're kind of hunched over doing it, and after you do. You know, Thirty thousand bags. Your right. your back is screaming at you. Look like the hunchback of Notre Dame. By the time you're done, Quasimodo. Are you dying over there? Uh oh. <coughs> we lost Ryan. Hmm. Yeah. Look, we, uh, there there's no no if ands or buts about it. If you have, uh, especially if you have allergies or asthma, if if the air is unhealthy, it's not good. <coughs> it's a it's a no. One, it's right? bad. It's bad right now. Um, I think part of that was, was swallowing wrong, but, um, so at the permanent sites, it's more of a, oh, yeah, get a drink. That's fine. <laughs> what were some of those jokes we heard? Uh, let's see. Pastor Cross said to me, well, I'm going to, I'm going to totally steal your joke, Ryan, and I'm going to, I'm going to botch go, it. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, uh, I'll ask Dana. Dana, what is 15 plus 15? 30. What is 16 plus 16? 32. How can it be 32? I hate this joke. I know, so right? Much. Where's the. I need like a <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> and what was the other one that was said? There was a couple goofy. Do you know any good jokes? You know, now that you ask me, no. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Put you on the spot and your mind goes blank, right? Well, anyway, aside from that stuff, um, with the Feed My Starving Children. Uh, site event. I mean, that's a big part of who we are at Atonement anyway. So I'm excited that you guys are going to go to the home site. I mean, do you guys get like a tour as well of what's going to be going on there? Um, I don't know if we're going to do that or not. We didn't, we didn't last time. It's really nothing, um, nothing really exciting. It's, you go into a room, you sit down and you watch the same video as you do oh, at, a, sure. at a mobile site. You make sure you have your hair net. Um, and what I was what I was gonna say with the with the bag sealing, it's more of a your uh, a press that yeah. you're able to just grab you know with your hands sort of flat and and push down, if I remember it correctly. 
it's a it's a totally different setup. Everything, like I said, is permanent. Yeah. So it's you're you're dealing with things that are made to a little more ergonomical. Yeah. Right. Well, I yeah. know I've told I told this story before, and I'm sure Becky would wish that I would quit telling it. My first experience with the feed my starving children mobile pack was here in 2019. Not here at at the Shields Arena, mm-hmm. and. I'm on Becky's team. I'm on, Becky and Jarl and I and a few others are packing, and Becky is just Miss Speedy. I mean, going gangbusters. Oh yeah, and yeah. she is pumped, like like pumped up like a professional wrestler. Yep. You know, and just having a, a ball. And I'm first time I'm doing it. I'm mm-hmm. trying to fill the bags, like get the bags around yeah. around the funnel. To get yeah. it, and I can't figure it out for with, the life of me. With those gloves on. Yes. And, yeah. and Becky's like, come on, come on. <laughs> and she's on the other side easily like, move, move, yeah. move. You're, you're holding up the line. So I was like, wow, man, she does not mess around. I don't want to get on, yeah. on her bad side. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she was she was all pumped up. Yeah, we got meals moving. to pack, man. Yeah, quit messing around. Yep, yep. <laughs> We have so many to do in this amount of time. Exactly yeah. right. And we have uh, – anyway, so that I thought I was um, – I was intimidated and yet <laughs> motivated to be like, okay, I got to pick up my game. Yes. I'm working with Becky here. <laughs> I can't mess around. Yeah. So, so we're, we're excited about that. Uh, a lot of working with the homeless, um, doing the feed my starving children site. We're also going to do, uh, what they call a prayer train. So again, if you're familiar with, with, uh, the twin cities, they have a light rail. Ooh. Yeah. And, um, we're going to get on the light rail I don't know where. I'm guessing probably at the Mall of America since it's only yeah. a, a few minutes away. And we're going to ride the light rail, which goes downtown. So it goes um, next to the U.S. Bank Stadium where the uh, the Vikings play and uh, Target Field where the Twins play. Yep. And um, along the way, we're going to make some stops and uh, pray for Minneapolis. That's uh, cool. Very yeah. cool. Have, yeah. you, have either of you ever ridden the light rail before? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, you have? You yep. have too? Mm-hmm. Yep. So weren't they going to have like, is there an extension that was going to go out to like Big Lake or St. Cloud? You got to talk to Jesse about that. Je- oh, was that on <laughs> Jesse's watch? I think that was, I think the whole light rail system was Jesse's sort of baby, wasn't oh, maybe. it? Maybe. I just know when I lived there, I did not like the light rail going in because it was supposed to speed things up and it seemed like it slowed everything down. Oh, really? No, the, the the few times I've ridden it, I've loved it, actually. Oh, yeah, I'm sure if I rode it, I, I would think it was great. But as a commuter driving oh, through yeah. Minneapolis, St. Paul, it's like, just fix the bottlenecks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when 694, 494, 394, 94 all interconnect, <laughs> like at 35W and 35E, that's kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yes. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're going to do that. And um, I don't know, there may be different things here and there that we... That we do on the... And you made all those blankets? Yeah, tie blankets. Um, so the there are uh, five youth going on the trip. And a few of them met at two different times with our quilting group here. And uh, made 20, I believe, 20 tie blankets nice. uh, to take and hand out to homeless people. And uh, they also made our Elevate, which is our high school ministry um <clears throat> made uh, uh, blessing bags to hand out. Cool. So, nice. yeah. So I think we should, this would be a good transition point to just to give um, our, our good buddy and, and leader of the pack here, Ryan, a break from talking. 
Yeah. I think we have some questions, don't we? We so do. We do, but... Because we're going to talk more about the mission trip once you guys do it. Right. But um, first, uh, you already did what's 15 plus 15. Yeah. Right? Do you know where you find a cold pirate? The Arctic. In the Arctic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> The look of disappointment on my Oh, face. man. <laughs> I can feel it. That's a pity smile right there. That's, that's a, funny. That's a pity smile. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, we received an email. Um, oh, you, Ryan, you killed me. <laughs> Should we read the whole email? Um, maybe. Uh, How long uh, is the email? It's, it, it's pretty long. I got. <laughs> it's a two-parter. Let's just put it this way. I had to scroll scroll through here like three or four times with my fingers. So why don't you just uh, pull out the, the important stuff? Um, Let's see here. Start with question one. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah, there's, there's two, uh, two questions, uh, comments. Um, so it, it says, you've talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. And DJ, you've talked about that when we talked about um, the, the list of controversial yep. Bible verses. The Holy Spirit does not act contrary to the witness of Scripture. Not just any specific biblical verse, but, but the entire revelation of God throughout history that's recorded in Holy Scripture. Right. Right. Okay. Because Jesus is the final revelation of God's will. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit is not going to counteract Scripture because it would be the Holy Spirit counteracting the Holy Spirit, which is a logical redundancy. Right. So it says, you've talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture, so that can be a guide for whether any message we receive is from the Holy Spirit or a misleading spirit. While right. I think, While I think that's good advice, it also sounds much simpler than it really is. Yes, it is. Consider, for example, <laughs> Peter's vision with the sheet before meeting Cornelius in Acts 10. Everything Peter knew uh, from Scripture about clean and unclean food was being contradicted in his vision. Um, and so he goes on to, you know, to question that. Um, uh, so Peter uh, had already... Oops, I, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead here. Um, but... You get the gist of it. Um, right. uh, scripture earlier had said, um, you know, it talked about clean and unclean food. Uh, and then Jesus said, you know, don't call anything that I've made unclean. Right. And so that is sort of the question. Um, uh, what if Peter had used the test to evaluate whether Jesus was truly aligned with the spirit? Mm -hmm. He could have easily made it made an even greater error. This actually ends up being not so much a question as a comment to the test that the test of comparing with scripture isn't always as straightforward as it might seem on the surface. Right. So, uh, great question. Um, uh, I've been I've been already speaking uh, with the person who sent it, but really grateful they sent this question because I think it gets to the heart of a couple of different things. So, um, I got about I have I have numerous things that I want to say about this. Um, but I also want us to go and look at Acts chapter 10 for the first part. But before we do that, let's go to the second part where he talks about, uh, it seems at first to justify the conclusion that it was from the Holy Spirit since it aligns with what Jesus taught, right? But what if Peter had used the test to evaluate whether Jesus was truly aligned with the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Understand that 
That's exactly what Peter did, as well as all the disciples, is that in following Jesus, based on what Jesus was saying and what he was doing, I, I, I know that like Mark especially makes the point that the disciples were kind of blockheads. They didn't, quite, they didn't get it, mm-hmm. but they all believed that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, it was Peter himself who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, anything that you trust, you are, you're making a faith statement about it. And Christians make a faith statement about Scripture, that Scripture is Holy Spirit breathed. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the Holy Spirit will not act contrary to the witness of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. Uh, Jesus talks about this, that, that you say that I have a demon, um, but a house divided against itself cannot stand. You know, that's, that's attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but Jesus said it first. Mm-hmm. Um, basically saying, no, I don't have a demon. Um, I have the Holy Spirit. And you're actually engaging in the unforgivable sin by blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's the one place where scripture says this sin is unforgivable. And that's to say that the Holy Spirit is doing something contrary to what the Spirit is doing or that the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit when it shows up in your face. Does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, unbelief. And why is unbelief the unforgivable sin? Well, because you won't allow it to be forgiven. It's, it's on you, the person, saying, I don't believe you, I don't believe you, I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. So it's unforgivable. You can't forgive that if you won't receive the forgiveness. Okay, yep. <laughs> so again, it's just a logical point, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so as Christians, we make this faith statement that Scripture is Holy Spirit breathed, And the disciples had the faith statement that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so when Jesus speaks and says, what I have made clean, don't call unclean, the Gospels speak of it as, and this is when Jesus made all kosher foods clean. Mm -hmm. Okay, But we can go to Acts chapter 10, which is what I'd like us to do. If you have a a Bible in front of you, we're going to go to Acts... 10. just want to read it real quick. Okay. So Peter goes and he meets this guy named Cornelius, and Cornelius is a Gentile. He's, a, he's actually a Roman centurion, which is like an officer mm-hmm. in the Roman legion. And um, he was known uh, uh, as a devout man who feared God with all his ho- household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. So Peter is sent to him in verse five. It says, now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. Um, And so in verse nine, we hear about Peter's vision. And this is what it says. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the house top about the sixth hour to pray. And he began, became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, the first thing I want to point out there there is, Peter has already heard Jesus in the Gospels say, Do not call unclean anything that I have called clean. Or no, it's a a, a different phrase that he says. This is where he says that. In In the scriptures, he says, It's not what comes... It's not what goes into your body that makes you clean or unclean, but what comes out of your body, your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the gospel commentators, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say, and this is when Jesus made all food clean. Mm. Here, Peter is making a different argument. He's not saying that these fe- th- this food is unclean for everybody. 
He's saying, this food is unclean for me, a devout practicing uh, uh, the Jew, uh, uh, Jew practicing the Jewish customs. Mm-hmm. It's not a salvation thing. It's a it's a Jewish identity thing. Okay. Yep. And so Jesus gives a response because he's calling Peter to do something that Peter may not catch on right away with, which is to be in full inclusive relationship with the Gentiles. Okay. Okay. Um, so it says, uh, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. Oh, wait, uh, where was I? I goofed. Oh, there it is. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, verse 15. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. The whole issue with the food was was a sign pointing to something else, which honestly is what the ritual food laws in the Old Testament are about. They're about God setting Israel, the people of Israel, aside as a special people set apart from the rest of the world as a sign of God's holiness. Okay? Mm-hmm. You following me that far? Mm-hmm. It's not about the people's holiness. It's about God's holiness and that these people are special and set apart. They even eat food differently. They dress differently. They, mm-hmm. right? They speak about God and the world differently. They're, they're a witness. Okay? So Jesus gives Peter this vision because he's going to witness something that he's not expecting. Um... Okay, so he invited them in to be his guests. Oh, what was it? Okay, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. This is verse 20. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well-spoken by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. So the Holy Spirit is actually working in a supernatural way to reveal something to Peter and to invite the Gentiles into the, the kingdom of God, into this new relationship with God that's based on faith in Jesus Christ, not by what you do or not what your ethnicity is. Um, the next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down on his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is, unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Mm. So the issue is not about food here. It's about this new relationship that's being formed on account of Jesus Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. That all of Israel, and now Israel includes Gentiles as well as Jews, into one people. Again, the Jewish people are the um, closest biological inheritors of the promise of Israel. That goes back to like the heart of the old, that is the Old Testament. It's the promise of God's graciousness to Israel mm-hmm. through the Mosaic law, through Abraham, and so on. 
what we fail to understand is that during the time of the New Testament, there is no longer an Israel. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. There's Judea, and the people that relied, who reside in Judea are called the, the Jewish people, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we get the term. Right. Not because they're Israelites, but because they're Jews from the tribe of Judah that as far back as King David has become its own nation. And when the northern tribes of Israel are destroyed by the Assyrians in, you know how I love these dates, 722 BC, um, that culture is lost. That entire nation is lost. That tr- those tribes are lost, and there's a, new ident- identi- there's a new tribe identity known as the Jewish identity. And there were, I'm sure, refugees that came from the northern tribes of Israel and settled in Judea, but they also became Jewish, mm-hmm. and that was their identity. So what happened to Israel? Well, it was absorbed into what were known as the Goyim or the Gentiles, the non-Jews. So who's really Israel? The Jews could say, um, you know, we, we're the descendants of, of Jacob, and so we are Israel. But really, anybody who was, you know, on a, on a molecular level, on a biological level, that absorbed those other tribes of Israel could say, well, my ancestors were from Jacob too. That was the argument of the Samaritans and the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. Mm -hmm. That's the Mm -hmm. whole thing about a good Samaritan. It's kind of like saying a good Nazi. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, or, or a good racist. I mean, it's, that's the, that's the oxymoron in that, in that parable Mm -hmm. that would have been shocking. In Jesus Jew and Gentile are reconciled to God and are Israel, are the, the, the people of Israel. The Gentiles are grafted onto the branch of Israel that the Jews are hanging from. Um, and so this is not about food per se. It's about God revealing to Peter what he's doing for the sake of the entire world. Okay. Um, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is. Verse 29. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent you, sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Mm. So you see what's going on here? So, so that's the issue with, with the food, basically. It's, it's God revealing to Peter and to us who read this, why the gospel comes to Gentiles and is not limited just to the Jews because Jesus is born the Messiah for the Jewish people, but he's not just for the Jewish people. He's the son of God. And as he calls himself, he is the son of man, which is a promise that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When God says to Adam and Eve, um, I, I will give you a blessed seed and he will crush the serpent's head. Well, son of man means son of Adam. Thus, Jesus' own term for himself, the son of man, he's more than just the Messiah. He's, he's the son of man. And because he's the son of man, he's really the son of God. Mm-hmm. And if he's the son of God, it means that he's God in the flesh. He's God incarnate. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and there is only one God. And so the God almighty, the Lord is revealed to our eyes in the person of Jesus Christ. You guys still with me so far? Did I lose you along that route? (laughs) Okay. So, so when you look at, at the issue with Cornelius, it's not Peter's um, vision that makes uh, it okay for us to eat um, uh, rabbit. Rabbit, yeah, to eat stuff that's that's not kosher. What? Why is rabbit the first thing you went? Wait, I think I think they mentioned it actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "I've never eaten a rat or a rabbit or anything like that. I've never eaten anything unclean." Um, so you can't just go to the vision by itself and say, okay, well, that's proof. Because I could, I could have a vision about anything, right? Yep. I could have a vision saying, uh, I've got, you know, what's something that's really against the Bible? That God is now saying, DJ, I give you special dispensation to steal everyone's Reese's peanut butter cups whenever you see them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a violation of, you know, the catcher's commandment. You shall not steal. Every Every... Catcher on a baseball team has to have that written on the inside of their baseball mitt. Just, just saying. You following? Yeah, you baseball fan. Nice. All right. So, um, all right. No, I'm following the Reds. That's that's Dylan's baseball team. The Reds. The Reds. They're called the Reds. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, y- oh, yesterday oh. they played the Red Hawks. Okay. The Reds versus the Red Hawks. Gotcha. I don't know who won because everyone batted. For for a second, <laughs> for a second, I was like, wait a minute. How did he become a Cincinnati fan? <laughs> okay. No, he's he's in what's called the rookies. So so everyone batted, no one got out, uh-huh. um, and I have no idea what the score was. <laughs> well, that's there fine. was no score. There was no score. Everyone had a good time. We all won. It was great. No one lost. So anyway, um, for me to justify that, and for the church to justify it, the other believers is to say, well, it has to be more than just your own specific revelation or vision that you think that you have from God. What else do you have to back this up? There's two other things that back up this change in, in um, whether or not you can eat food that was considered unclean in the Old Testament. And they're both within the narrative of Scripture. The first one is, like I said, Scriptura Sacra Sui Ipsius Interpris, Scripture interprets itself. When you read the narrative of Scripture, you need to understand that when the New Testament was written, they were basing the writings of the New Testament off of the promises in the Old Testament. And when you read the Old Testament, without the New Testament, it, it ends on a cliffhanger. Uh-huh. It's like, what in the world just happened? Did God forget all of his people? Like, everything's just come to an end. And we take for granted as Protestants this whole thing called the intertestamental period, which is the time after, basically, um, the prophecies of Daniel come to an end yeah. around 530 and a little bit of the history before that. Um, you know, the book of Malachi goes in, I think to like into like 400 BC, you have like 400 years where the prophets are silent, but before they went silent, they said some interesting things such as Jeremiah saying, basically God has left the building kind of like, you know, Elvis go home. Elvis has left the building mm-hmm. when the temple was destroyed. God left the building and what God had warned had now come to pass. Warnings going back a thousand years to the time of Moses, where he says, if you do not keep my commands, then I will turn from you and judge you just as I did 
the Canaanites of old through you. And when you read back and see, well, why did God judge the Canaanites? It was because of these things like animal, like, like child sacrifice and, you know, uh, sexual immorality. Basically, um, what it says in Judges, without a God, every person went their own way and did what they thought was right in their own eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, if everyone, if you got 7 billion God wannabes on the planet, there's going to be all kinds of suffering. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's either following God's will or not. Well, God warns it in 1446 BC, if you don't keep my commandments, this is what's going to happen. And we read it again in Joshua, where Joshua says, Decide for yourself this day. Who are you to follow? Will you follow the Lord? As for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. What people don't usually read after that plaque that they put above their houses is the people going, Yeah, we'll follow the Lord. And Joshua goes, Like you could, you bunch of losers. (laughs) I mean, basically just saying you're sinners and you're gonna you're gonna fail. And these are poor this is a portentous moment. This things are being you're being warned far in advance. Well, what happens? God calls the people to repent for about 300 years during the time of the kings. And they don't repent or they, they, they don't turn from their ways. They have moments when they do. Like, for example, in, in 922 BC, Israel becomes two nations. It becomes Israel and Judah. Uh-huh. How many good kings are in Israel in their entire history? 200 years. 922 to 722. Think about like how many presidents we've had in 200 years. How many good presidents do you think we've had? How many good ones out of the 45? Yeah. Oh, man. Think we've had, had a couple good ones? Yeah. I mean, Can you odds name five? would tell you. What's that? Odds would tell you that there at least has to be one. Right, at least one good. Yeah, in 200 years? <laughs> of course. How about how about presidents? Can you name me five good presidents? Honestly, like just your opinion. I'd, I'd put up there Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, FDR, okay, right. Who are all the guys on the on Mount Rushmore? Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt, yeah. Washington, Je- uh, uh, Jefferson, Jefferson, and who's? Well, I wouldn't even count Jefferson and Washington because that was two hundred and fifty years, or two. Oh, you know, we're two yeah. we're two hundred forty five years young. Yeah. Uh, America is. Yep. It's an odd thing to think about, right? But you know, in the last two hundred, I mean, there's been I, I could name five easily okay. yeah. on my hand mm-hmm. of presidents that I would say they. They were good. That, that was a good president. Mm-hmm. They, they did good stuff. You know, I, um, I, I grew up, Ronald Reagan was president. He was like the grandpa you turn on yep. the TV. Yep. Ronald Reagan. Uh, JFK, you know, uh-huh. whoever. Um, in the history of Israel for 200 years, Scripture being our, our best judge of this, zero. Zero good kings in 200 years. So God yeah. spends 200 years. He sends Elijah. He sp- sends Elisha. He sends uh, Amos. He sends um, a bunch of prophets to northern Israel, and none of them follow the Lord. Uh-huh. And so God allows them to be completely wiped off the map by Assyria. Okay? Now you have the history of Judah, which started in 922 B.C., goes to 587 BC, which is what, 350 years? Am I am I in the ballpark there? I think I'm somewhere. Say, say again. 922 to 587. Uh, sure. It's, yeah. it's like 335 yeah. years, something yep. like that? Yep, something like that, yep. yep. So, you know, um, older than the United States by like 100 years, right? Yep. How many good kings do they have? Take a guess. In, in, in the entire history of the United States, can you name five good presidents? 
Because now you get now now we can get to George Washington, Thomas yep. Jefferson, yep. John Adams. Yep. You know, they're so far removed from us that they're like, oh yeah, they had to be good. <laughs> they, the first one had to do it, right? Like they had nothing to go right. off of. Abraham Lincoln, Barack Obama, there's five. Okay. Okay. How yeah. about that? So um in the entire history of Judah, three. Three good kings that followed the Lord in their entire history. Mm-hmm. And so God's warning a thousand years later was not a flippant warning. It wasn't uh, if you goof up once, you're out of here. It's like, please follow me. And God is a long-suffering, merciful God, 345 years or so, mm-hmm. not working. So God shows um, God's goodness and God's justice by allowing the consequence of the sins of Judah to bring an end to God's presence in their midst. Because remember, God rested in their midst in the temple. That's where God promised to be physically. It's not a church. It's God's physical locale on earth. That's why it's called a temple. Mm -hmm. Uh, Temples are not churches regardless to what anyone thinks. And so when you think of like the Mormon tabernacle or the Mormon temple or whatever those terms are, well, that's technically not a church. It's supposed to be God's physical residence on earth in something tangible. Um, and the thing that God had that would show God's presence was the Ark of the Covenant. Yep. Okay. 587 BC, the Babylonians invade. The Ark of the Covenant is lost to history. We don't know what happened to it. Some people think God whisked it up into heaven. In fact, that's kind of what Revelation alludes to when it talks about the ark returning to earth for, to bring God's judgment, you have some who think that, that uh, Jeremiah whisked it away into Egypt. Um, to this day, you have uh, the Ethiopian church that says that the ark of the covenant is hidden in Ethiopia, that it's in a resting place there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, I think it was destroyed. Well, and, and if if you follow my way of thinking, uh, Indiana Jones had it delivered to a <laughs> warehouse run by the U.S. government uh, after yeah. the Nazis were burned uh, by opening. 57. Well, <laughs> it, it, if, if you read Jeremiah 3.16, this is what it says. Yes. And when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land, in those days, declared the Lord, they shall no more say the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. What do you think about that? I think it was destroyed. Yeah. So the point being is that God's personal relationship engagement with the nation of Judah comes to an end with the Babylonian exile. Now, what's being set up is how God is going to reveal himself, not through a thing, but through his person in his incarnation through Jesus. And to get there, you got to go to God returning Judea to its, its land after 70 years. 539 BC. And when people are like, well, your math is goofed up. Well, actually, the Babylonian exile began in 609 BC and came to its completion in 587 BC. So 22 years. Mm-hmm. And it, there was three waves of it, of them taking the Jews into exile. But in 587 BC, that's when the temple is destroyed. 539 BC, 
the promise that the people would return and that it would be through Cyrus. This is this is prophesied by Isaiah in 722 BC, 150 years beforehand. Um, comes about, and King Cyrus of the Persians says uh, the Jewish people can return to their homeland. And this is this is kind of touched on in Esther too. If you ever read Esther, that's a really interesting book. But um, the point of all this being is that the narrative of scripture brought that old covenant relationship to an end in 587 BC in a very dramatic way by destroying the temple and by the Ark of the Covenant disappearing. It doesn't mean that, that um, if you're Jewish, that the rituals and so on aren't important for your, your identity. It's just that God is saying, no longer will you be set apart as a holy people as a witness to who I am because I'm going to do something new. And Jeremiah prophesies about it. When the temple is destroyed, 587 BC, I, uh, the day is surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant or a new testament with the house of Judah and the house of Israel. And some people, you could think I'm making too big of a deal about it. It's poetic license. There was no house of Israel. It didn't exist. You could have just said the house of Judah, or you could have just said the house of Israel, but not both. Why the house of Judah and the house of Israel? Because this new covenant is not based on your ethnic status in relationship to um, uh, the one true God as revealed through Jacob and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in, in the Jewish people, but rather it's through hearing the word um, I will make a new covenant and I will write my word on their hearts for they will know me for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So it's a covenant that's based not on obedience to God's law, but it's a covenant that's based on God's grace and forgiveness on account of this new Testament. And this new Testament is a person. It's Jesus. He is the new covenant. And that's what he says. This is, when he, when he establishes uh, the Lord's Supper, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so by faith in Jesus, regardless of your ethnic status, you are reconciled into this new relationship with God. Okay? Thus, logically speaking, the ritual laws and the kosher laws and the purpose thereof that they served came to an end long before Jesus came. Because it wasn't those things by which God was going to render judgment upon Israel, but it was going to be the judgment that um, was the judgment all along. Are you faithful to my word? And that word is a person. It's Jesus Christ. And so everyone who came before Jesus was justified based on faith in the promise of the coming Messiah. And everyone after Jesus are justified by faith in the revealed Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's the first way that scripture shows that even before Peter has this vision, that the dietary code has already been overturned. Would Peter have recognized it? Probably not, because like most of us, he probably wasn't digging deeply into the scriptures. And before Jesus came, no one understood this anyway. It was only after Jesus came and by the revelation of the Holy Spirit that it made sense. That's why it's preached about in the New Testament, and it's only mentioned briefly in the Old Testament without a clear word as to, okay, why 
do we still need to do this? Do we not still need to do, do this? Can we can we eat uh, pork or can't we? The thinking after 587 BC, and you read about it in Ezra, Nehemiah, and the books that come after, is that we need to be better Jewish people, so we got to work even harder at keeping the law. Mm. Whereas before, they were not keeping the law. The thinking was, um, um, we're justified because we're, we're descendants of Abraham. So if the violation of God's old covenant happens by not keeping the law, after the judgment happens, there's an overzealous effort to keep the law to the nth degree. And in both cases, it's not trusting the one who gives the word. It's trusting your, your ability to keep that word. And so that is the idolatry. Um, first in not keeping the law as it was given, and then afterwards keeping it so tightly that you're justifying yourself according to it, mm-hmm. which is no different in, in Christianity when we talk about we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what is faith? Um, faith is trusting the one who gives you the promise. Does that mean that I can sin all the more so that grace may abound all the more? By no means. Or as or, or to put it more in the Greek, the way it was meant to be said, hell no. Uh, or even more strong. Paul is saying, because you are justified in Jesus, you will keep his word, mm-hmm. the expectations that he has for you, right? So it's it's not like, well, now that I have Jesus, I can go do whatever I want. No, no, it doesn't work that way because doing whatever you want is falling into sin. I digress. The point being, by the witness of scripture, the dietary laws had come to an end prior to Jesus saying um, to Peter here in Acts that all things are clean. But I'm going to go to one other cover to make make this absolutely clear as to why Scripture is the only thing that we can use to judge whether or not something is Holy Spirit-breathed or not. And if we say we want to change something from what Scripture has said, then we need to either go to the entire narrative of Scripture to say, well, has it already been changed? Or have we been misunderstanding, and now when we look at Scripture, suddenly it'll make sense. That's what happened in Acts. Acts chapter 18, I think it is. No, 15. Acts chapter 15, we have the events of the Jerusalem Council. This is the first ecumenical council of the church. Uh, We have all these different denominations, right? Um, But for the longest time, probably about the first thousand years of Christianity, there was only the church. And when the church needed to make decisions based on changes that were happening in the culture, they would get together what were called ecumenical councils. Okay. This is the first one. It's the Jerusalem council. Um, And I'm going to start at verse five. Now there's an issue going on here and it has to do with can Gentiles be Christians and be part of the church without becoming ethnically Jewish. Because the first Christians are Jewish, right? So everyone, all all the guys are circumcised. And they, for the most part, I'm sure all keep the kosher foods because that's how they were raised. Yep. And they keep the law of Moses as well as they can because that's how they were raised. It's no different than being like, there's certain things that I do uniquely because I'm Scandinavian. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> it's just part of my culture. It's right. it's part of what it is. And there's things that I do because I'm Midwestern. It's just part of my culture. Yep. Right? And there's things that I do because of my family. It's just part of my culture. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. It's just that's how we do it. 
right? And yep. people, are, and so this becomes an issue of can people who are not Jewish be Christian without becoming Jewish? Dress like us, talk like us, walk like us, think like us, eat like us, right? Yep. All right, so verse 5, it says, But some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, this is a group saying this, rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Okay, so the church is gathered. Yep. And after there had been much debate, it's not as if this was completely clear to people. There was much debate. Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. This is what we have with the story of Peter and Cornelius. Okay. Okay. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts of faith. Now, Peter is sharing an eyewitness account of what he saw at Cornelius' house. That, and Peter was there when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles in Jerusalem um, on the first Pentecost, right? So Peter knows what the Holy Spirit looks like when it descends on somebody. Yep. And so he's an eyewitness account to everyone else who didn't see this. He's saying, this is what I saw. Um, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Again, there's that understanding that the old covenant is not something that we are able to fulfill. Jesus fulfills it for us. He's the only one who can do it. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will, the Gentiles. You following me so far? Yep. Okay. So the proof right now is Peter's eyewitness account of the Holy Spirit descending on the Gentiles, even though they have not become ethnically Jewish, and they, they're not expected to keep the old covenant. Okay? Now, verse 12, And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul, two more eyewitnesses to what the Holy Spirit was doing among the Gentiles, as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles, it says. Verse 13, After they finished speaking, James, this is James, the brother of our Lord, the guy who wrote the letter to James. He's the first church council president, board president of the church in Jerusalem. Okay? After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. Now, this is, this is, the, this is the catch-all. This is the thing that decides the matter. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't Barnabas. It wasn't Simeon. It's this. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. Well, what are the words of the prophets? Any guess? What's that? The the, the you're talking um, the 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 scriptures. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's and guess what? The scriptures agree with what these eyewitness accounts are saying, as it is written. After this, I'll, this comes from the book of Amos. 
After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. This happened, Amos prophesied at the uh, same time as Isaiah, around 722, 700 BC, when the northern kingdom of Israel is destroyed. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write the, to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. So there's no keeping of the Mosaic law. It's just stay away from things that are harmful to you or would give the wrong impression about Christians. That's basically the limits that are placed on the Gentiles. You don't have to get circumcised. You don't have to keep the ritual and dietary code. Keep the Ten Commandments. And that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the deciding factor, in your opinion? Was it Peter? Was it Paul? Was it Barnabas? Was it even James? According to James' witness, what finally was the judgment was what Scripture had to say about the matter. Mm-hmm. And so it is a, it's a simple term to say that Scripture decides and that the Holy Spirit will not act contrary to Scripture. It's much more harder, it's much more difficult to put it into practice. Um, so it's, it's looking at the entire narrative of Scripture um, and, and looking at, at the witness itself. And so when people say things like, well, why can you eat kosher food or why, why can you eat bacon now? Because the Old Testament says you can't eat bacon. Yeah, the Old Testament says you can't eat bacon in 1446 B.C. Mm-hmm. By 30 A.D., Jesus was like, have at it. And as Christians... The word of Jesus is the same word as the Old Testament mm-hmm. because it's all Holy, Holy Spirit breathed. And if it's all Holy Spirit breathed, then it can all be trusted. But when you read it, you read it in context, not as some magic book that, that God's going to start talking to you through. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. God speaks, but he's not going to speak like, I'm going to, what should I do today? I'm going to, you know, flip through my Bible and end up on like, uh, uh, Zechariah 4.12, which says, you know, uh, uh, burnish the horse as it lays waste to your enemies or something like that. Um, no, that's not, God's not speaking to me there. Uh-huh. Um, he speaks through the witness of scripture and through the, the, the narrative. And if, if the church has been doing something in error for 2000 years and suddenly it's, it's, it's become, you know, God's doing a new thing. For us, we always go and look and say, well, what does the Bible say about that? Is God doing a new thing? Because ultimately, if God, in if Holy Scripture limits certain actions, like you can't eat bacon, well, if it really does limit that, then we as Christians should say, I'm not going to eat bacon. If it doesn't, well, then we have Christian freedom in that area. Yep. So it, it so it's it's called the Nile rule. What is neither um, condemned? Uh, uh, let me rephrase that. What is neither commanded in Scripture nor forbidden by Scripture is considered adiaphora. It's left up to your own human freedom as mm-hmm. to you know. Can you drive a car? Who's to say? Uh, the Bible doesn't mention them, except according to Pastor Cross, there's Honda Accords <laughs> in there. Yeah. Yeah. The apostles were all in one accord. Yep, they all came in one accord. (laughs) 
So I don't know. I kind of babbled on there, but I, 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 it's a, it's a great question and it's a big question. And it's a complicated, um, there's more to it than people think. Like the easy answer is to say, no, it's, um, if scripture says it's okay, then it's okay. And right there in scripture, it says it's okay. The question that Dwayne was asking, why is it okay? And then you got to go in a little deeper as to, well, this is the reason why we can eat bacon. Right. Okay. Uh, So is that good enough or is there more that comes out of that question? No, I I think it answered it. Okay. And if it wasn't, please send us another email. (laughs) (laughs) To (laughs) to clarify. (laughs) All right. Um, well, thank you for, for answering that. And thanks for the question. Um, if you have questions, you can certainly email them to us. Um, my email address is rjanke, that's J-A-N-K-E, at atonementfargo.org. Um, you can email them there. You can go to uh, thatpodcast.net uh, and and submit them there. Um and uh, we also have a Facebook page. You can you can message us there. So there's a lot of places that you can uh, you can reach out to us to to submit questions, comments, whatever. Um, we'd we'd be happy to answer them or comment on them, any of that sort of thing. So or or complete just babble on and dodge the question completely. Yeah. Or that's usually oh, my I'd, move. Must have went to my spam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Didn't we have we have the best um, folks that send in questions. I mean, I just feel so bad for them because the answers they get are just so horrible. <laughs> the caliber of the questions are so great. <laughs> just getting nothing back. So that's funny. All right. Is there anything else to to hash out today? Gosh, I hope not. No, the weather's going to clear up. Skies are going to shine so. again. Put on a happy face. Ryan's going to breathe again. <laughs> One day. I am not 100%. I, I'll be the first to admit. Well, let's go around real quick. Um, anyone want to share their, their weekend plans? Oh. What's going on for the weekend? Dana, do you got big plans? The The fair is in town. Are you a fair person? Do you go? I, I am a mini donut person. Nice. Nice. I go to these things purely for the mini donuts. <laughs> That's it. Speaking of food you shouldn't eat, I don't know if they still serve this, but the Minnesota State Fair has what's called, I, I think they advertise it as um, um, oh, deep fried heart attack, deep fried heart attack on a stick. Uh, it's called the Scottish egg. You ever heard of it? Scottish eggs are so good. Oh, man. Deep fried, or no, uh, hard boiled egg. Yep. Wrapped in bacon. Yes. Lathered in melted cheese. Yep. And deep fried. Yep. And now they probably dip that in chocolate too, because yeah. everything is... Well, the other version of a Scottish egg is is to have a hard-boiled egg wrapped in, um, packed in sausage. Ooh. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking yeah. of was the ones yep. sausage. Makes me think uh, of, um, uh, there was this old Simpsons episode where Homer skips church. Okay. <laughs> he makes his favorite, his famous his waffles, and he just kind of lathers on the waffle mix on the, the waffle fryer, and then he just takes a whole stick of butter, <laughs> sticks in the middle, wraps it up, and eats it. <laughs> uh, but mini funny. donuts, that's mm-hmm. your thing? Yep. Nice, nice. What about you? Are you a, are you a fair person? Uh, no, fair? you know, I have not been to the fair in over 20 years, I bet. I think, uh, I think sticks and Quiet Riot and uh, Rat. Really? From the Geico commercial. Is it, is it Geico? Is it Rat? Uh, like, 
we have this great new house, but we have a rat problem, and it's this band, oh. rock band, is paying. It's, it's I the, think that's Geico. Geico. Do they still have the original members? Uh, Quiet Riot does not. In fact, none of the original members of Quiet Riot. Well, then I'm not going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's Twisted Sister. Oh. <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> rat is round and round. I don't know what Quiet Riot is. I, I would if I heard their song. Yeah, anyway. Uh, um, but Sticks, uh, Domo Origato, Mr. Roboto. And yeah. Sticks is good. Yeah. Quiet Riot. Uh, oh, Bang Your Head. Bang Your Head. Yep. Yep. Uh, whatever. They're all the same. Rock on. Most of these. My, my hair is growing longer by the moment <laughs> as we talk about these bands. <laughs> hair bands from the 80s? You ever, do, you, any, do you know any hair bands from the 80s? No. Okay. <laughs> what about right. Sticks or Quiet Riot? <laughs> no. Warrant. Warrant. Yep. Getting me all nostalgic again. Yeah. Right? All right. So, yeah, no, for me, I'd, uh, uh, we have game night at the Crosses tonight. Oh, yep, that's going to be, that's going to be fun. And then uh, it's, um, I have a wedding that uh, I'd like to go to tomorrow. Um, it's in Wishick, so it's kind of a haul. We'll see how I'm feeling tomorrow. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a three-hour uh, one-way trip um and then uh, mission trip on sunday heading to yeah. minneapolis good deal give me good times good deal good deal yep so what about you well my my brother is still in town for a couple more days so he's going to come on over and we're going to have a a good old time um i have this puppy and so a lot of my free time is just working with this dog yep trying to get her to not cause mischief which is to not I, be a puppy I, I wish yes i wish i would have re, in hindsight if i could go back and rename my dog i would name her loki because <laughs> she's just she's just all about mischief uh, all the time how long have you had her now oh, gosh how long has it been 15 16 years no it's been about three months <laughs> seems a lot longer yeah well you got time then she's smart as a whip if i have trees for her and we're working on something like yesterday i taught her to stay and then i would walk across the entire yard and say touch and then she runs over and she touches my fingers it's something to teach Uh them not to bite oh okay like if they hit the target then they get a treat Uh when we're doing that stuff she's just like boom 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 but if you're like would you just sit still for five minutes and let me um out of the the out of the goodness of your heart yes (laughs) Nope, now I got to destroy something or I'm going to go back to that one spot where I've, if I go and, and, you know, when you're not looking, that's the place that I want to go chew on the side of the chair or something like that. It's like, oh, this dog. Yeah. So. I'll give it a year or two. It'll all be good. You're so close. Oh, wow. It's just right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Good times. No, it should be a good weekend. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, Well, can I pray us out of here? Yes, please. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for um, um, giving us the opportunity every week to um, sit down and visit um, and uh, uh, discuss these things, Lord. I thank you for DJ and the the knowledge that he brings. Uh, God, I pray for... um, uh, We have smoke here. Um, but but we don't have to worry about the fires where we're at. Lord, I, I pray for the people who are um, affected directly by those fires, and I, I pray that um, that they would be calmed and they would be put out, and uh, it, 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 uh, 
this could go away with the minimum amount of, of damage and loss, Lord. And so, God, I thank you for, again, thank you for this time, and I pray that uh, um, everyone would have a safe and uh, blessed weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm Ryan Janke, filling in for Ryan Janke. <laughs> Uh, you can you can find all of our uh, past episodes of that podcast. You can find um, you can get caught up on the Revelation Bible study that happens on Wednesday nights. You can uh, um, check out old uh, I keep saying old past services or messages. Um, classic, classic, classic services. Yeah, yeah, classic. <laughs> uh, you can find all that on our YouTube channel. And if you want to keep uh, up to date, if you want um, notifications when new content comes out, you can subscribe. You can hit the notification bell, and you will know right away when we have new new things out. So that's YouTube. Search Atonement Fargo. You can also go to atonement.live or atonementfargo.org. We have services this weekend at 9 and 10.30 a.m. So for Pastor DJ Lura and Dana Mashevsky, my name is Ryan Jenke. Join us next time for another riveting episode. <laughs> nice. Of that podcast. <laughs> <laughs>